Welcome to the Kalos Church Podcast. We're so honored that you're joining us today. The word kalos is a poorly pronounced Greek word that means beautiful. And we believe here at Kalos that the words and the ways of Jesus are very beautiful. That's why each week we're bringing content to make known that beauty. So let's go ahead and jump right in to this last Sunday's sermon. So I want to continue with the story in chapter 11, verse 1. The scripture says, cast your bread upon the waters. Cast your bread upon the waters. And since we don't want to just be hearers of the word at Kalos Church, we want to be doers of the word. Can I get a good amen? We're going to do this right now. Cast your bread upon the waters. And watch what's about to happen. Behold, the power of the scriptures. Can we give Jesus a round of applause? Wow. Wow. And what is the promise that happens when you do this? Well, let's read the rest of that verse. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Thank you, Bible. Now, either this is the worst magic trick ever... Or there's something going on deeper here. And so what's going on? This isn't just saying throw away your bread. This isn't a promotion of the Atkins or keto diet. This isn't carb hatred because Jesus is the bread of life. Can I get a good amen? So bread literally is life. Amen. I believe the author of Ecclesiastes right now is talking about a maritime investment strategy. Back in this time... This king would take bread or seeds for wheat, put it on a ship, send it off to trade with some business partner or another country, and then it would come back as an investment with more bread, more seeds, more barter goods. So when he would cast his bread upon the waters, he'd find that it comes back because it was an investment that increased. So he's really giving us kind of investment advice. Hey, make sure you invest so that you find growth and you increase. And then he goes on to give even more investment advice. He says, cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. So he says you need to diversify your portfolio. Don't just invest in one place. Invest in many other places. And this is how we, as the kids say, make some dough by casting our breads or As the other kids say, let's get this bread. Do people still say that? Wake up in the morning, let's get this bread. Who still says that? Thank you, thank you, thank you. And so this is a lot of investment advice. And so the book of Ecclesiastes goes from despair, life is vanity, a vapor, it's meaningless to, here's some good trading advice. Thank you, thank you. And so oddly enough, though, This week, I was given the opportunity to invest in my life by using bread. My family, we took a trip to the Olympic Peninsula. Beautiful, isn't it? We saw Hurricane Ridge. My sister right there, her dream was to visit a lavender farm. So you know what we did? We went to the lavender farm. We drank lavender drinks. We moisturized our lips with lavender chapstick. Glory to God, so much lavender. (laughs) But then the highlight of the trip is we went to something called the Olympic Game Farm. 
Have you ever been to this place? You walk into a zoo, but you don't walk around. You drive through the zoo in your car, and animals come up to you, and you wonder, who's in the cage, me or them? All the animals approach you, and you're trapped in your car. And as we were paying for our tickets to go through this drive through a zoo, the cashier said, uh, do you want uh, some bread? I was like, yeah, I want some bread. How much bread do you recommend? She said, uh, two to four loaves of bread. That's a lot of bread. I said, I will take four. Then my family, though, they said, we don't need that much bread. Just get one loaf of bread. That will be enough. And I said, no, I will cast my bread upon the waters of the Olympic game farm, for we know not what disaster will come if we don't have four loaves of bread. And so we're driving through this zoo, and there's signs everywhere that say, once you drive in the entrance, do not stop your car. Well, as soon as we get there, guess what? Buffalo are blocking our car entrances and exits from all sides. We have no choice. We are trapped. And so we have to roll down the window, and we're just trying to feed buffalo and huge elk. There are lions and bears and llamas. Let me show you this picture of just a casual drive through the Olympic Peninsula. A llama just blocking our road. Look at this video of what happened as we were feeding buffalo. <laughs> by these animals, and the only way we could escape is by giving them bread. And so the animals are eating the bread. Our daughter is eating the bread. <laughs> They're just having a great time. And I'm so glad we had the loaves of the bread because it made our experience. Not only could we escape by luring them away by throwing all this different bread, it also brought animals to us. And the more bread we gave out, the better our experience was. And it reminded me of the scripture, because he says, cast your bread on the water, for in many days it will return to you. And I think there's a spiritual principle here. And it says, sometimes the more we give, the better experience we have. You know, this scripture mentions that you need to make investments now, because you never know when disaster is going to strike your life. And I, I am thinking about this from a, a doomsday perspective. I'm a doom scroller. Anybody with me or am I alone in the house of God? I'm a doom scroller. You give me bad news and I am pumped. I'm excited. I'm scrolling. This is something morbid about me. But my nighttime routine is I just look through bad news on discussion boards and then I just give up on life and fall asleep. <laughs> You've never experienced rest like a doom scrolling rest. And so this is my habit. And I, I, I sometimes, though, kind of get caught up in the reality of why even make investments? The world is just collapsing. When I think of how things are getting so hot in the world right now, literally in Portland last week, it got so hot there that a tree exploded. When I see the Arctic melting and I see things called the blue ocean event when we have an ice-free existence, when I, when I see that somehow in our country we're experiencing a recession financially, 
but also an inflation. I'm just like, I don't know what that means. I give up. When I have people telling me, buy bread, and then other people in my family say, don't buy bread. When other people say, hey, uh, housing prices always go up, but then other people are saying, the housing market is about to crash. We're in a bubble. I'm like, I don't want to make any investments. It's all going to burn. So I might as well take my money out of my savings account and just spend it on more lavender. (laughs) That's all we have in this life. We might as well enjoy it. Who's with me? But that's not what the author says here. He doesn't join my rally. He says, because you never know when disaster will strike, you need to invest. And not only that, don't put all your eggs in one basket. Diversify your portfolio and invest in seven, no, eight opportunities. Isn't that interesting? And then he even gives another warning. Let's read the whole thing again. Cast your bread upon the waters, for you will find it after many days. Give a portion to seven or even to eight, for you know not what disaster may happen on earth. Disaster. If the clouds are full of rain, they empty themselves on the earth. And if a tree falls to the south or to the north, in the place where the tree falls, there it will lie. He who observes the wind will not sow, and he who regards the clouds will not reap. And so the fact is, in every generation, disaster comes. In every life, we eventually die. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't make investments in our education, make investments in business, make investments in our life. In fact, we're called to be fruitful as followers of Jesus Christ. It brings God glory that we would shine our light and the whole world would see the glory of God as we are fruitful and we multiply. And so we can't get caught up in the disasters of the world. And he also warns us that if we spend too much time looking at the wind, we will never sow. We will never invest. If we spend too much time looking at the clouds, we will never reap. We will never harvest. And so going on with that warning, the first thing I want to share is this as far as points. If we pay too much attention to the uncertainties of life, we'll suffer the paralysis of analysis. It's possible to die while waiting for your life to start. Who here struggles from overanalyzing things? Okay. Who here is not sure? (laughs) Gotcha. You know, if I would have waited to become completely mature before marrying Amritha, I would not be married today. (laughs) And she would not have married me. If I would have waited until I was the perfect father, until I started trying to have children, I would not have children today. I wouldn't have even started the process. And I think some of us, with the uncertainty of life all around us, with the calamity of the world, we're all waiting for the perfect moment, the perfect chance, the perfect opportunity to start life, and then that chance never happens, and we regret the opportunities we've missed. And he says when you look at the cloud too much, when you look at the sky too much, you can let life pass you by. You know, uh, as we're talking about different things like investment, I can't help but bring up my friend Bitcoin. Anybody here in the HODL gang? You have Bitcoin. Don't tell people they're going to steal your seeds. Don't tell people. 
First rule of Bitcoin is you don't tell people you have Bitcoin. You can't. Yeah, that's right. So safe. So safe, Zach. <laughs> so anyways, uh, I, I have this ongoing f struggle with my father. He's always asking me for investment advice. And so I, I say, Dad, you got to get Bitcoin. It's decentralized. It's so secure. No bank can steal it from you. No government can steal it from you. You need Bitcoin. It's the best investment in the last 10 years, according to Forbes magazine. And so I was telling him this at $1,000 of Bitcoin. You got to buy this. He said, no, it's just a pyramid scheme. It's not going to last. And then it goes up to 5000 He was like, oh, maybe I should get it, but let me wait for it to go down. Then it goes up to $20,000. He was like, ah, I'm just going to kind of wait. I, I think it might go down. And then it goes up to around $70,000, right? And he's like, ah, I should have gotten it back then. Why didn't you tell me? I'm like, I did <laughs> tell you. <laughs> Are you kidding me? And then it goes from around $70,000 back to $22,000 where it is right now. And he says, see, it's crashing. I'm like, literally went from $1,000 to $20,000. That is not a crash. This is a great investment. And uh, uh, what are you doing? Why won't you invest? But here, here's the thing I think he's falling into that a lot of us fall into. He's trying to time the market. He's trying to wait for the perfect opportunity to get in. And then it just keeps on getting higher and higher and higher. And now the low that it's crashed to was the all-time record of two years ago. And he's just waiting. And I, I've learned this investment principle. And I, I think this is kind of what the author of Ecclesiastes is alluding to. And it's this. Uh, time in the market always beats timing the market. Time in the market always beats timing the market. Because if my dad would have just invested when I told him to at like $500 or $1,000, he would have timed his income, his finances, his investment by 20 times. But he was just waiting for the perfect opportunity. And so now he doesn't have that kind of return on his investment. I think the same principle applies to our life. Instead of waiting for the perfect moment, we take moments and we make them perfect. We take the opportunity that God has for us right now. It says that when the clouds are full, then it rains. It doesn't wait for the perfect opportunity to rain. When the tree falls, it falls to the place, and it stays there. It lies in that place, and it blooms where it's planted. It provides firewood. It provides shelter for the people around it. And I think a lot of us in our lives are waiting for the perfect moment to start, to invest, to try, and we're missing out on the opportunities. There's a quote that really challenges me. The quote says, the graveyard is the richest place on earth because it is here that you will find all the hopes and dreams that were never fulfilled, the books that were never written, the songs that were never sung, the intent inventions that were never shared, the cures that were never discovered, all because someone was too afraid to take that first step, keep with the problem, or determined to carry out their dreams. And so sometimes instead of waiting for all of life to just bring us bread, to bring us opportunity, to bring us a return on our investment, we have to, as the author of Ecclesiastes says, we need to cast our bread on the waters. For they will return in many days. And even better, diversify your investments because you never know when disaster will strike. And so with this concept, this principle in mind, I want to challenge you, number two, to turn 
you're one day into day one. What do I mean by that? One day I will write a book. One day I will give my life to God. One day I will start a business. One day I will dedicate my heart to the ministry of the Lord. One day I will serve. One day I will be a generous person. One day I'll be the kind of family person I always wanted to be. One day I'm going to pray with my spouse every night. One day I'm going to start reading books. One day I'm going to trade in this addiction for something else. My challenge for you today is don't just wait for the perfect opportunity. Turn your one day into day one. Because I know this room. We have very gifted people here. We have very talented people here. We have people who have had a lot of incredible experiences. And you're like that, that cloud that is full with resources. You're full with finances. You're full with so many mentors pouring into your life. But instead of being like the cloud that pours out your life, you're just hoarding it to yourself. You think someone else should do this. Someone else could do it better than me. I have imposter syndrome. I can't go for it. And we hoard that water, but the cloud, when it gets full with rain, it pours out. It empties itself. What are you doing? Are you hoarding the resources God has given you, or are you pouring out and casting your bread on the waters? Turn your one day into day one. You might fail. You might fall on your face. But that means you're living a life of faith. You know, engaging faith. How many of you want to have more faith in your life? I know throughout the scriptures, Jesus is walking around Israel, and he says, can I find faith here? He's so pleased by faith. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, it says it is impossible to please God without faith. Embracing faith, though, isn't just some cliche. Embracing faith means embracing risk. It means embracing failure. It means I might mess up. I remember there was this friend in college, his name is Jesse, and he had a crush on this girl for years. He wanted to go out on a date with her. He wanted to marry her. He just wanted this, and he never made his move. Then we graduated. This girl moved to college. Or sorry, she moved from college to Europe, and he was like, I think I missed my chance. She's no longer in the States. And we gathered around him, and we said, Jesse, you don't have a job. You don't have a lot of money. You need to buy a one-way ticket to Europe, and you need to ask this girl out on one day. He's like, no, the stalkerish. And I said, Jesse, the only difference between a romantic person and a stalker is success. <laughs> if she says yes, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. And embracing your faith means embracing risk. So he flies to Europe. She's surprised, creeped out, no warning. He says, hey, can I just go on one date with you? She says, I'm really uncomfortable with this. No. He flies back. He says, I'm never trusting you guys again. <laughs> Fair enough, Jesse. Fair enough. Embracing faith means embracing risk. It might blow up in your face, but that's what faith is. It means if God doesn't show up, I'm in trouble. When was the last time you pleased God with your faith? If God doesn't show up, I'm in trouble. 
when Pastor Amritha and I first moved here to Mich- or from Michigan to Washington, we didn't know how we are going to pay the bills. We didn't know how we are going to start this church. And so we took every opportunity we could to talk to people. We cast our breads on the water. We're making an investment here, an investment here. We're just trying to meet people in the park. Hey, want to start a church with me? No. All right. Fair enough. Thank you. Uh, can we speak at your church? No, we don't, we don't know you. All right. But we got this opportunity one time to speak at Doxa Church. They didn't know us, but they gave us the microphone. Glory to God. And uh, they just said, hey, why don't you share about your vision to start a church? We go there. Pastor Amritha and I are both speaking. And there's this uh, person, we didn't know this, didn't go to church there, but was late to go into their congregation, showed up at that church, heard about us, and then decided they have to get in contact with us. So Amritha's sitting at home, and she gets a, a message on Facebook from a John Smith, no profile picture. Very creepy, right? And the... The, the message says, hey, I heard about your church. I want to meet with you in this park. Don't bring your husband, but bring your child. Very creepy. And as like a protective, you know, husband, as a loving father, but also as a church planner, I said, you have to go to that park. <laughs> Cast your bread upon the waters. Let's get this bread. So she goes to the park, and there's this beautiful Slavic woman just dressed up, just like a supermodel, right? And they hang out. It's not the longest connection, not the greatest connection, but they just chat a little bit. Amritha comes home, and uh, we see that we got an email. Check the email. This lady, in that one meeting, decided to donate about $30,000 to us to start the church. Cast your bread upon the waters, my friend, for it will return to you one day. And it's this principle that we tapped in. It's like, all right, the world is crazy. There's a need to present the gospel. But instead of just waiting for opportunities to show up, we're just going to try We're just going to go speak at every opportunity we can. We're going to meet people in the park. And I think some of us, we're just waiting for the world to happen to us. I want friends. Have you thrown a party recently? Nope. I want friends. Have you joined a small group? Have you tried throwing out some bread and attracting ducks, I mean friends, into your life? Like, I want to serve God with all my life. Well, are you serving in the church? Are you serving your community? I want to have a great family one day. Well, how are you loving the family you have right now? you got to take advantage of the opportunities you have right now. And when I'm, like, tempted to just give into this doomsday mentality, I'm reminded of people in this church. You know, Zach, who just dedicated Baby Junia with Becca right there, he, uh... He is also a doomsdayer, and he says, pretty even every time around you, you just tell me all the bad news of the world. It's such a weird relationship I have with the preacher of the good news <laughs> of the gospel. He's <laughs> like, why you got to bring me down? And so he's made it his mission in life to bring me good news. <laughs> and in fact, they made the decision to quit their job. They quit their job once to help us start Kalo's church, 
And I quit it again because he's like, all right, instead of just complaining about the world getting warmer, instead of just complaining about the energy crisis we have in this land, I'm going to quit my job and I'm going to work on sodium nuclear plants so that I can make a difference in this world. I'm going to invest my life into this instead of just waiting for an opportunity to come. Instead of just listening to this depressing pastor, I'm going to get in there. I'm going to cast my bread upon the nuclear reactors and hope that we can have some clean energy so that my baby has a future to inherit. I love that. It inspires me and also convicts me. Because I still go to sleep just by doom scrolling. <laughs> but I, I love that. We have to start embracing risk. And there's a, a principle I think all of us need to recognize. Point number three is this. You reap what you sow, but you also reap where you sow. You know, what are you investing the best of your time, your energy, and your life into? Are you investing the best of your life into Netflix? Are you invest, investing a lot of your energy into gossip? Are you investing the best of your energy into you can name? Or are you investing in the things that you say are the priorities of your life? I mean, if I, if I talk to your family, if I talk to your, your partner, would they say you're investing in them? If I talk to your uh, dreams, would they say you're investing in them? I mean, you're going to reap what you sow. And, and the scripture, it says some crazy things. In Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 11, verse 5, it says, As you do not know the way the spirit comes to the bones in the womb of a woman with child, so you do not know the work of God who makes everything. In the morning, sow your seed. And at evening, withhold not your hand. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. You know, the scripture kind of, twists it a little bit if you look at it deeply because here we're kind of given a formula cast your bread upon the water you'll get it back when you sow you reap now he brings back the mystery the havel he says hey you have to sow you have to make an investment but it's only god that brings the increase you're going to try to harvest but you may not actually have a harvest we don't even know how the spirit of God is placed into the womb of a mother for that child. We don't understand what investments are going to work. We don't understand which things are going to fail. But we're still called to try. And so as a dedication in my heart, I've said, Lord, I don't need to be successful, but I do feel a call to be faithful. I don't need to be significant. I don't need to be famous. I don't need to have the best success story on this side of eternity. But my prayer, my deepest longing is that at the end of my life, I would say, God, here, here's my life. And he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. I was able to trust you with a little, and you sowed what you had. You were cloud filled with rain, and you emptied yourself out. Uh, you were a tree that was cut down and you bloomed where you were planted. Well done, good and faithful servant. And so he says in the morning in verse 6, sow your seed. And at evening, withhold not your hand. That means you use your hands to cultivate this work. For you do not know which will prosper, this or that, or whether both alike will be good. 
You know, and I, I've read scriptures like Galatians 6, do not be deceived. God is not mocked for whatever one sows, that will he also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will reap from the flesh, reap corruption. But the one who sows to the spirit will reap from the spirit, reap eternal life. And let us not grow weary of doing good for in due season we will reap if we do not give up. So then, as we have opportunity, let us do good to everyone, and especially to those who are of the household of faith. And I love this. I believe this. This is a, a proverb, but it's not a guaranteed promise. There are times in your life you will invest, and you, you won't get the perfect return. There are times where you'll try to harvest, and things won't work out exactly like you want it. And there, there is this tension here, and I'm not... I'm not saying anything that the scripture isn't saying, but I, I want you to notice that throughout the book of Ecclesiastes, we've entered into the tension of what happens when I pray the right prayers, but God still doesn't respond like I want. What happens when I live the perfect life and I make the perfect investments with my time, my energy, but then I still experience the death in my family or my business falls apart or this tragedy comes upon me? There's still mystery here, but that's why it's so beautiful then that we as the people of God can step out in faith. We say, God, I, I, my hope isn't self-confidence and a formula in the scriptures. I'm entering into the mystery of life and I'm choosing to trust you in the midst of disasters. I'm choosing to trust that investments can be worth it. I'm choosing to trust that I can make this world better than I found it. But even if it doesn't work out exactly like I want, I'm still going to try. Because I'm not called to be successful. I'm called to be faithful. Maybe you're here today and there's a word God has spoken to you. There's a dream you've had in your life and you've just neglected it. It's been on the back burner. You've been waiting for the perfect opportunity. You're, you're saying, ah, oh, it might not work out. You know, what, what if I'm just being presumptuous? What if God doesn't actually want me to do this? Well, I, I, I've learned God won't force you to do it. Sometimes he will. Sometimes he won't. I mean, it's kind of a mystery, isn't it? Sometimes when uh, God shuts the door, he also shuts the window and says, have some time of solitude. Pray about it. <laughs> but my, my, my point here is I just want to be faithful. And I, I have learned this principle, though. When we invest in the dreams God has placed for us, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a career, maybe it's a family. I've noticed that when I invest into the things of God, I can't outgive God. And he does some amazing things. You know, I, I want to close with this story that kind of brings it home for me. But I, I was a youth pastor for five years in Michigan, and there is this young boy named Andrew Coriel, and I, I would just spend a lot of time with him. He'd listen to my sermons. He would actually really lean into all of this, so I started bringing him to concerts. I actually brought him to the only albino deer museum in the world, living albino deer. They also combined that museum with the Chainsaw Museum. It was very creepy, but that's what you do when you're a youth pastor, and he paid for the ticket. Glory to God. And I uh, poured into this relationship, and uh, I, I remember uh, Kim Coriel right here. She would say, thank you for pouring into my son. Thank you for investing in him. You know, there's been some instability in our lives, but you, you've just been faithful, and he just so looks up to you. And I said, oh, this is my great privilege. I, 
you know, people have poured into me in the past, and I just want to freely give what I've received. In fact, that's my definition for ministry. And then we decided to start this church and move across the nation, and Andrew and his wife Kristen said, hey, we're going to move with you. We'll help you start this church. And then something really uh, unexpected happened. You know, Kim, Kim felt in her heart that she would uh, take the opportunity to serve our family. And she said, hey, every time you guys are serving on Sunday mornings, whenever you're preaching, I want to I watch your kids. I'll get up in the morning. I will feed them. I will dress them. I will bathe them so that you can just focus on the ministry of God. And it's been five years of this. And it's just been an intense ministry that's helped us do everything that we get to do to be faithful to the call of God on our life, to start a church, to preach the gospel. But none of that would have been able to happen without Kim saying, hey, let me watch your kids so that you can preach the gospel. <laughs> Amen. And all those five years I invested into her son, and she thanked me. Now she's invested into our son for five years. And it just proves to me, man, that's so beautiful. It's so special. You can't outgive God. When you pour out your life on behalf of the poor, on behalf of the church, on behalf of the Lord, you're not going to outgive God. You're not going to do it. And I cast my bread upon her son. And now she is returning it much more upon her children. And even better, her son Andrew is moving back to Washington tomorrow. <laughs> so beautiful. And so where are you called to invest? Where are you called to take the risk? My prayer for you today is that you would choose risk over regret. And if you don't know where to start to invest your life, join us here at Kalos Church. And it's not because we're desperate for people, but if you're not sure where to start, you're not sure what your purpose is, you're not sure what your dreams are, partner with our dream to make known the beauty of Jesus. If you're looking for a practical way, just go to this website, nextsteps.kalos.church, and we can help you. We actually have another announcement for an outreach we're doing as a church in a couple of weeks. Join us for that. We have a place for you. If you want to invest your time, talent, treasure, we have a place for you. And I believe that we will do great things for the Lord together. Amen? Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you so much for your scripture, for your word, and I pray that you'd help us to not just hoard our bread, but to cast our bread upon the waters. Lord, that we would take the risk and take that step of faith that we would trust you with our dreams, we would trust you with our families, we would trust you with our time, our ventures, and Lord, that we will be faithful to sow seeds, we will be faithful to reap what we can, but we, Lord, we know eventually and in all things, you're the one who brings the increase. So we choose to trust you in the mystery. So, Lord, we're, we're going to do the best we can with what we have, but we're trusting you with the rest. We pray in the name of Jesus, and everybody said, amen. Can we give Jesus a round of applause for the scriptures? Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for the Kalos Church Podcast. Hey, if you feel comfortable, we would love to see you and meet you in person. We meet at 945 and 1130 every Sunday at the Hilton Garden Inn in downtown Bellevue. If you want to join us, head to www.kalos.com. 
shirts. You can get all the information you need and sign up so we can make sure there's a safe place for you to come and experience the beauty of Jesus with you. We'll see you next time.